It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Ready? Mr. President, can I ask you a quick question on Israel before you drive? No, away, you can't. So <laughs> Not unless you get in front of the car as I step on it. <laughs> I'm only teasing. Okay, here we go. You ready? See it, sir. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh, you regret this? And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. <laughs> I mean, he, he really said that. He really said that. Yeah, I love, I love their responses. <laughs> okay, sir. Oh, he's like, listen, I'm just going to run you generalist over uh, instead of answering the question. Seems like seems like a good idea. Uh, and and you don't hear any of this horror about how like, oh, my gosh, this is an attack on democracy. Well, listen, fellas, uh, I thought we were going a different direction on the opener. I wanted Michael Duncan to sing. Uh, you pulled a nice clip, uh, which I thought was very humorous. It does not completely uh, satisfy me. But uh but what does satisfy me is that here we are with the third episode of the week, a very first. Yeah, uh, we, we, we promised the people a triple header. We had three interviews lined up for them. And folks, here you go. Episode number three for the week. I, I, will, I will sing next week. I promise I will sing. But, you know, we just had a really good clip of Biden, you know, teasing that he's going to run some reporters over. So, I, you know, I figured that was probably the way to go today. You wanted to get out of it. I get it. I get it. We may sound a little tense to you this uh, today as you're downloading. <laughs> it's going to be, I mean, hey, hey, this is going to be a wild episode. We may sound like we're a little irritated. We'll try not to let it affect us, but let me just tell you a story and then how it relates to this program. Yeah, story time. Uh, when I started in politics, there was basically one rule of communications. One rule, do not cancel on Meet the Press. Do not cancel. It had the largest audience in politics, the most engaged audience in politics. It defined your career one way or another. And they would vow that if you canceled on them, they would spend the first 20 minutes talking only about your vulnerabilities and how terrible you were. And so for like 15 years, the rule while Tim Russert was at Meet the Press and Betsy Fisher was producing it, you just did not cancel on Meet the Press. It always stuck with me, right? Because they knew that their audience mattered more than anything else in politics at the time. They knew it. So they could act that way because they knew it. Well, I got to tell you, after six, seven months of doing Ruthless, our audience is that same audience in Republican politics. Our audience matters more than anybody else. Yep. They are more active. 
They are more interested in what's going on. They want the straight scoop. They don't want the bullshit media filter, the canned consultant driven, disgusting fucking political nonsense that they get from every campaign out there. That's why they tune into Ruthless. Exactly. Right? So that brings us to this particular episode and the reason you're getting three this week. Uh, About a month ago, we book our guests about a month out. And Hollywood Hen does an incredible job, incredible job at getting everything logistically coordinated to make sure everybody's schedule works. A couple weeks ago, we were reached out to by the campaign of Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, as you know, pop culture icon, also happens to be running for governor of California in the recall of Gavin Newsom. We thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, not exactly a perfect fit with the ruthless audience, but certainly an interesting story. And obviously a big developing story in terms of the governor's race and the recall election in California. So, okay, well, let's see if we can figure out how to make it work. So Hen, we'll bring Hen in on this because we want, need some details, but she bends over backwards to try to figure out how to accommodate. And instead of like bumping guests, which we don't do because we have respect for them. And instead of changing our schedule because we have respect for our audience, we added an episode. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's, that's something, right? We didn't want to mess up with with anyone's schedule. You know, we didn't want to say, hey, you know, we're going to have to push back any interviews. No, the show goes on. We're going we're gonna to put another episode out. So all of us, and I think all of you know who listen to this, we do this for you. We do this for the program because we like to have fun with it. This isn't our day job. We all have busy schedules. We all do our thing. But we're like, you know what? This is worth it. I think the minions are going to get something out of this. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. Let's just create another episode. So this morning we wake up and we get on the teleconference that we're supposed to do with Caitlyn Jenner. No show. No show. Cancel canceling Caitlyn. Now Hollywood hen has got like a sixth sense about this because yesterday at 6 PM, She's like, I'm just going to send them one more note because I just don't feel good about this. I just feel like there's something weird about their scheduling. So she sends them another note and they confirm right away. They say, yes, no problem. We're really looking forward to it. Talk to you in the morning. 11 o'clock rolls around. No show. I mean, that's basically the way it went down, right? Yeah. I mean, they reached out to us about this interview several weeks ago like you said we made it fit in our already very packed schedule um i mean they were super ex- i mean i think the surprise was they were super ex- you know they're super excited to do it they wanted to come on they were making the effort we get everything lined up we change our schedule around i'm super type a so i triple confirm and everything's going fine but i woke up this morning and i was like for some reason i'm just a little nervous about this not going off quite right And we're sitting there waiting for her to join. And my stomach was just dropping. And I was like, I don't think this is going to happen. And while we're waiting for them, you know, we get the message. Yeah, it's not going to work out for us. So it tells you a few things, right? For those of us who've done this for a living for a while, it tells you a few things. You don't reach out to a show that you ultimately don't go on. You don't unprofessionally let people know that you can't make it 
Yeah. Unless you are a completely unorganized shit show that is a scam campaign from the very beginning that is doing nothing but trying to draw attention away from legitimate candidates who have a capacity to try to unseat the most liberal, disingenuous piece of garbage governor in this country, maybe aside from Governor Cuomo. He said that. That's it. That's it. So if you're a sideshow and you just want to show up in the tabloids and pretend like the conservative movement means something to you when it really clearly doesn't mean a shit to you, um, then enjoy yourself. You know, like TMZ, I'm sure, is standing outside of her house right now. That's fantastic. I mean, that's the thing is, so to me, the thing is that like, uh, it's not even like that saying that I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Uh, I mean, I don't care. Here's the problem is it's absolutely disrespecting our listeners because that's the thing. I think think they messed up in so many ways, but some of the main ways they messed up. Uh, number one, this show at this point is where you have governors, senators, the top operatives in the game, all the 2024 contenders, they're, they're on here. Presidential contenders, folks. And for to make the calculation as like some reality star that you're like, oh, you know, not even going to let them know uh, I'm not showing up. Let them fire up uh, that Zoom. And then we have to text their team and their team's like, oh, whoops. Whoops, we just, uh, yeah, we're not going to make that happen. We can't do this. It's like, okay, okay. That's just, because it's completely disrespecting our audience. And our audience, I mean, I don't, you know, yeah, sure, our numbers are great, but also who listens to this show? Everybody listens to this show. We're on, we, we break, we have headlines daily about ruthless it's in your best interest to at the very least show up when you asked you know to have your appearance scheduled for we we had we had chris christie on tuesday's episode and then we slotted in the house republican minority whip steve scalise into a wednesday episode to accommodate you caitlin and look california recall election it's different you know so let's be practical here the voters have two questions. First, do you want to recap, recall Gavin Newsom? Yes or no? And if more than 50% of voters say yes, who should replace him? So we got to get to the first question over 50%. And if Caitlyn Jenner brings out a bunch of new voters, low propensity voters, liberal voters, I don't care, to the polls to get us over 50%, good for Caitlyn Jenner. But if you launch your campaign and you want conservatives to vote for you, but you're scared to come on Ruthless, don't announce your campaign. You're not ready. I also think I also think I was just shocked at how, you know, successful campaigns are nimble. And so, okay, maybe they got their wires crossed on something, but we also gave them several other options. You know, we're willing to do tomorrow and push this episode until Friday or whatever to try to accommodate. And they couldn't fit in 20 minutes some other time for our listeners. That just, to me, does not speak well of, you know, a successful organization. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, the thing is, is that they told us basically, yeah, she's not ready. She's not ready. Well, no shit. She's not ready. If she can't, if she, if you can't actually make it to an interview that you've booked, with people who are sincerely interested in your story. I mean, 
look, I think she's given five answers on who she voted for or if she voted in the last election. Yeah, she didn't vote. She did vote. She's got seven different positions on immigration. Like, uh, what are they doing? Yeah, I got what it. are they doing? We gave her an opportunity to correct the record, as yep. we've done to a lot of Republicans, mm-hmm. to offer a platform for our listeners to hear directly from them, unfiltered by the media. And they chose to not do that. Which That's the thing. Is like, it is such a gift for a conservative candidate or an elected official or anyone, any conservative to come on this show and tell their story because you're going to get it straight up. That's what that's what no one else can deliver. You go you go on NBC, you go on on CNN. They're they're coming after you. They'll do anything they can to destroy you. Here, we're we're a platform. We're a platform to let conservatives speak their mind and tell the story straight. And to throw away that opportunity, I mean that tells you what you think of the conservative listeners and the conservative base. You know, I just have to I just have to say from the Hollywood angle, the Kardashians might have warned us Easy. about this. You know, Ooh. they uh, they over the years have said sometimes sometimes Caitlyn doesn't always, uh, you know, tell the truth, come through in, 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 in certain things. And this might be one of those times they, they might have warned us about this. I mean, it's. Look, it's it, it's just it's it, we've not had this happen. And the reality is, is that Ruthless has been going since October of last year. We have had the pleasure of having some terrific guests. Like Smug said, we provide a platform beyond the mainstream media. Tell us your story. We'll allow you to do it in a way that showcases your personality and who you actually are. We're not going to try to hem you in on every shitty, like, you know, mainstream media bent. We're just, we're going to allow you to do it. The fact that, that this is our first cancellation, somebody who is a marginal guest at best Someone that we actually had to rattle around internally about whether or not we our audience would even appreciate what they have to say. I mean, look, I don't think everybody's wild about uh, open borders. I don't think everybody's <laughs> wild about, you know, like sort of liberal extremism and social uh, media, uh, social causes. Like, I don't, I don't think everybody's wild about that. Like, it was going to be a tough sell. We were, we told people on a clubhouse last night, mm-hmm. we got a big surprise for you tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they're like a good surprise. And I was honest. I said, I don't know. We're going to find out. Yep. Well, I think you found out. Yep. Yep. I think you found out, folks. This is a fucking disappointment of the highest order. Any time, any effort that you spend thinking about Caitlyn Jenner and what she might bring the conservative movement in California is a moment that's wasted. Focus some, somewhere else. Such a huge mistake. Like, that's the thing. It's such a huge mistake. I mean, for we, we, we have senators. We have we have members of Congress. We have governors. They don't cancel. They don't cancel. We we have actually elected governors, not just like you know a reality show campaign. Elected sitting governors on the show. And it wasn't. But here's the thing that really galls me. It wasn't as if they called and were like, "Look, we ran into a huge shitstorm, not of our own making. I'm sorry. Like we can't make it. This isn't going to work for us. Can we reschedule?" We had to call them to be like, hey, man, you're, why are you not on this? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're not showing. Wild. I mean, come on. Come on. All right. So I don't want to belabor this. Anymore. We, had, we do have a ton of fun to have on this show. You were going to have your money's worth, but everybody deserved to know the answer as to why we're doing a third show and the major disappointment that you all now have as a result of the actions of the Caitlyn Jenner campaign. And also, I love, I love that example for Meet the Press. 
You either show up or you're going to catch it. That's it. It's a simple deal. Simple deal. Yep. Pretty straightforward from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know what? Last thing I'll say that campaign's not, I mean, they're not getting elected now. You put, you get, you get this audience disappointed. Woo. It's will, over. You know, step one for making amends would be to send us Kendall's new 818 tequila. <laughs> that would be that would be a that you know yeah. baby steps but that I love, would be i love hollywood first, hen getting the that first hen. move in reconciliation would be the tequila so oh, yeah. if anybody out there is listening uh, listening to us um ship some 818 over here to dc <laughs> excellent <laughs> what needs to happen so anyway that's enough about california it's probably the rest of the year we're going to talk about but uh Let's get into some serious news because there's some stuff that's happening here that everybody should focus on. You you guys have followed this Russian pipeline situation, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the thing is is the Biden doctrine is uh, pipelines are only for for Putin. You, you can't have pipelines here, you know. Uh, Keystone well, XL. Uh-uh. You can't have pipelines here, but those are also for Putin. Yeah, those are also for Putin. There you go. <laughs> you can hijack ours without any consequence we're going to release the sanctions off of theirs Mm -hmm. uh and then send them cash in the process so here's the story the story is most of you have have heard of nord stream 2 Mm -hmm. which is a company that uh was sanctioned because it essentially it delivers russian natural gas is it yeah Yeah. it is yeah natural gas to Europe, I mean, it makes it makes most of Eastern Europe reliant upon Russian Energy. natural gas. Yeah. Well, Biden decided within hours, basically, of our own pipeline being hijacked by by Russian internet hackers, to waive sanctions that we had placed on the company building that pipeline in Russia. Wow. 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 Like, first of all, let's just take the question of what would happen if Trump did that? No, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and, you know, the State Department has acknowledged um, how precarious this, this pipeline is, they said, you know, quote, the Biden administration has been clear that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline is a Russian geopolitical project that threatens European energy security. Well, no shit. Can you can you imagine if Trump did this? Yeah. Oh my God. No, I mean, it literally would be grounds for another round of impeachment, and yeah, I'm not even making that. That's not hyperbolic at all. They absolutely that's would. Hyperbolic. They absolutely would. They absolutely would. Like the, the whole joke of, of this whole Russian collusion nonsense was they found nothing. They found absolutely nothing. And then right here in front of everybody, he's like, "Hey, Putin, here's the keys to it. Have at it." Yeah, my, my kid was a, a executive for a Ukrainian uh, energy company, and uh, also uh, we'll have the press cover for him around the election time too. This is all just above board. The totally. sequencing, the sequencing here again is go. just hysterical. Canceling the Keystone Pipeline, Biden yeah. administration cancels the Keystone Pipeline. Russian hackers hack an American pipeline that causes gas shortages across the country. They pay a ransom to these Russian hackers. And then Biden lifts shank- sanctions on a Russian pipeline in Europe. 
And, and, and the State Department has acknowledged that, that Nord Stream 2 and its CEO is a Putin crony. Incredible. I mean, genuinely remarkable. Like, I, I again. Ties, ties to the Kremlin. Russian linked. You remember all of this, all of the stories oh, yeah. around collusion oh, yeah. for three years? Everything was Kremlin linked, tied to Putin. And here it is right, right in front of our faces and everybody just hand waves it off. Well, we're going to get, we're going to get into that because we got a next segment on what you're talking about right now. But I want to, I want to put a bow on this in one simple way that I think everybody will understand. Despite the fact that our media was consumed with the idea that there was Russian collusion in the 2016 election, and somehow that's the only way that Donald Trump won, despite the fact that everything was Russia this, Russia that, half the libs in this country, more than half the libs in this country, have their mind polluted to the point where anything they don't disagree, they disagree with, they think is Russian, right? Like they, they re- literally ruined a generation of people who watched too much MSNBC and yep. CNN, right. right? But here's one thing that never happened during those four years during the Trump administration. Russia didn't fuck, fuck around and find out. Nope. They didn't. Nope. They didn't hack pipelines in America, Mm-mm. right? What I remember is that their bases got bombed in Syria. That's what I remember. Yep. Right? All of this Russian sympathy that apparently the United States was – was suffering under during the Trump administration? Well, the Russians didn't see it that way. And the, uh, beyond that, the media straight up created stories like those Russian bounties on soldiers, which has now been shown to be absolutely completely made up. Completely made up. So let's transition to our next topic because this one, I know that Duncan, it'll be the old school yes. Duncan with Duncan. Oh, yes. You just sort oh. of shoot his ass out of a cannon and oh. let it go. Let's, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, go. look, 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 number one, just we, we just talked about the pipeline and lifting sanctions on a Putin linked, you know, Russian pipeline into Europe. All of those professional Russiagate grifters, you know, the Louise Mensch, true facts stated that game theory guy, Eric Garland. Mm-hmm. Where do you think they are in all this? I don't know. I can't, can't see. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Oh, I love that. This is just crickets. I love it. This is crickets. I went through all their feeds. Suddenly democracy isn't in shambles. Um, Biden isn't a Putin puppet. Everything's normal in Russiagate world, apparently. Um, But, you know, it isn't just the pipeline. Obviously the New York times, published an article detailing how Fusion GPS, you may remember Fusion GPS, um, they were the opposition research firm that was hired by the Clinton campaign to um, you know, put together a dossier, the dossier on Trump's links to Russia. PP tape. The PP tape, right? Well, turns out in this New York Times article, uh, it was all fake. <laughs> All of it. Isn't it was that all fake. Crazy. Yeah. And, and 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 the other thing is like you're not hearing any media report on this. And and, and and the NYT had this out there. And no one is discussing this except for us. The New York yeah. Times, the New York Times was a part of this. Yeah. They were putting out stories based on this fusion GPS dossier. And now we find out 
and this is a, another quote uh, from that article, many of the dossier's most explosive claims, like a salacious P tape featuring Mr. Trump or a supposed meeting in Prague between Michael Cohen, Mr. Trump's former attorney and Russian operatives have never materialized or have been proven false. The founders of Alpha Bank, a major Russian financial institution, are suing Fusion GPS, claiming the firm libeled them. Incredible. Incredible. They, and look, I know this is my hobby horse, and this is why you guys want me to talk about this, but I said this on the episode right before the election. There was a coordinated campaign by the left, the media, the intelligence community in Washington, D.C. to undermine President Trump from the moment he was elected. Mm -hmm. The moment. Hey, congratulations, President-elect Donald Trump. Uh, my name's Jim Comey. I'm your FBI director. Hey, did you pee on some Russian sex workers? <laughs> Day I've got one. this. I've got this. I've got this. Uh, this this document here that says you did. Hey, I just wanted to make sure you you got to look at it before I leak it to the media. Like, like the and the thing is, it outkicked its coverage in one respect. Like a, it's a very J. Edgar Hoover move, right? Where a deep state is basically trying to pressure a president by saying, "We've got goods on you, whether it's true or not. We're going to make things look like they are." Right, which is the obvious impression that that gives. But the second part is that Trump, of all presidents that we had incoming to the White House, didn't have any political experience. Right, he never dealt with the director of the FBI making such claims before. Right, right. so obviously that's going to provoke a reaction from a private citizen who's become president of the United States that doesn't understand sort of like why somebody would ever do something like that. And not only that, Holmes, like you got to. Like even go go back to during the campaign, you had, you know, people from the defense and intelligence establishment signing open letters saying Donald Trump should never be president, shouldn't shouldn't give him access to the nuclear codes. Yeah, right. Publicly, publicly, they were saying that. And then your own FBI director says, hey, man, congratulations on, on being elected president. Here's this dossier. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, that it was furnished by your political opponent, who you just defeated. Uh, and I'm going to leak it to the media as soon as I'm out of this meeting. <laughs> but I just wanted to let you know, give you a heads up. What would you do if you were Donald Trump? No political experience, yeah, you're an entrepreneur or a businessman, and you just got elected president. Would you kind of think these people are against you? <laughs> yeah. You'd fire his ass, which is what he did, which is what caused three and a half years of investigations and multiple impeachments. Uh, well, the story, um, you know, goes on to say a, a, a lot here. So, I mean, number one, it wasn't just, you know, Comey, um, you know, injecting the dossier into the uh, media, media ecosystem through this meeting with Donald Trump. Also in the fall of 2016, again, this is from the article, Fusion GPS invited select reporters from the Times, the New Yorker, and other news organizations to meet Mr. Steele. This is, um, you know, the guy who who put the dossier together in Washington and received briefings on what they had uncovered about the Trump campaign and the Kremlin. As is often the case in the world of private intelligence, the meetings came with a catch. If news organizations wrote about the dossier, 
they had to agree not to disclose that Fusion GPS and the former British agent, that's Mr. Steele, were the sources of the material. No so, fingerprints. So, no fingerprints. So here's the thing that I know most of you listening are going to say, like, what an unbelievably just an outrage. That's honestly the way that business gets done. It happens 85% Democrat to journalist. Um, but that's the way a lot of those things operate. The difference here is that there was absolutely no effort to try to verify any of the claims that were made in the dossier independently. And like most of these publications chose not to publish the dossier, right? So that, that's their way of saying like, look, that's, you know, we're not going to, we, we couldn't independently verify it. So we're not going to, but the narratives contained within were a thread line that pulled through every single piece of the coverage for a three and a half year period. Yeah, but and and here is where it's where it's different, Holmes. Because you're right, absolutely. There's opposition research floating around Washington D.C. at all times. But when you are the FBI director, yeah, that's the difference. Or difference. or the you know the the Justice Department or the CIA, if you're an intelligence officer and you're lending credence to this garbage. And um, becoming a source for the media to talk to about this garbage. Um, it's, it's a conspiracy against the president is what it was. It was absolutely a conspiracy against the president. And, and in, a, in a Rolling Stone article, Matt Taibbi uh, cast the media's handling of the dossier as a replay of the press disaster, of a press disaster. The reporting after the Persian Gulf War which claimed that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, I mean, that should have been a wake-up call. It should have been a wake-up call that our intelligence community and Defense Department use the media to launder bad intelligence, frankly. Yeah, I, it's 100% right. I mean, here's the, here's the Taibbi line that I have taken with me because I thought it was remarkable in his candor. The weapons of mass destruction affair showed what happened when we don't require sources to show us evidence, when we let political actors use the press to confirm their own assertions. Are we ever going to own up to this one? No. The answer no, is they no. Won't. <laughs> the answer is no. Well, no, we're already on to the next. We're already I don't on know how next. we fix this. I don't know. Like, guys, I don't know how we fix this. I think this is part of it. I think this is part of this. They yeah. got used to there not being outlets like ruthless because, uh, you know, they're used to dealing with these like TV networks and these journos who, who like will cut deals. And be like, all right, guys, you know, hey, you know, we'll all grab drinks afterwards anyways. Uh-uh. Nope. Not here. Nope. I don't care if you're a reality TV show. <laughs> you're not getting that deal. You step you're you're going to get called out. You're going to get called out. <laughs> We don't need we don't need it. And it's not all like we're not an access journalist outfit. We don't give a shit. Yep. This isn't nope. even our job. Not our job, folks. <laughs> you know, we care because of our audience, because our audience cares. And, but I and agree with you, Smug. That, that this is the this is this is how we hold these clowns accountable. Yeah. The people have to know. And I think that's a big part of why people are turning away from like corporate media in general, why you're seeing the rise of things like Substack. Because the, the, the traditional sources of fact, like in society, where does a person turn to for truth? You know, 
it used to be, okay, oh, you know, we got Walter Cronkite or you watch the six o'clock news with Peter Jennings or something, you know, or, well, you know, the New York Times wouldn't, wouldn't publish something unless they checked those facts twice, right? Wrong. It changed. It changed. It changed. It changed. And they, they never admit their mistakes. Like you won't see anything about uh, in the New York Times saying, okay, folks, uh, we, we need to let everybody know that there's corrections here. We, in fact, used these uh, fake spy sources who are just feeding us nonsense and none of that Russia stuff that we told you for four years was true. They're not going to do that. They're no, they got, that. they got exactly what they wanted. They got rid of, rid of Trump. That's it. That's it. And they, goal, and they were goal able, accomplished. And they prosecuted a whole bunch of people and, and, you know, I mean, basically emptied the bank accounts of a whole bunch of people who didn't deserve it because they were trying to defend themselves in courts of law that they never should have been in in the first place. Bingo. Yep. You know? All right. Well, let me let me turn to a happier topic because we have been saying here on the Variety Program, don't take the bait. The American people aren't taking the bait. Nope. American people are focused on the prize. And guess what? We had Texas. We had Nebraska. We've had all kinds of evidence of special elections across the country. Well, last night, last night we had Pennsylvania. Big time win. Big time win for conservatives. So Pennsylvania, you all may not have heard about this. It, it wasn't totally on my radar, but apparently there was a ballot question in Pennsylvania um, that had to do with Governor Tom Wolf and his emergency powers in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Now, you heard Chris Christie on Tuesday talking about how Governor Murphy hadn't gotten any attention for all of his problems with coronavirus because of Cuomo, that much is true. It is also true of Wolf in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I mean, it, this this is a very key thing, folks. The data is really starting to become public. Wolf may have done a worse job than like even Cuomo in terms of like uh, totally. the death rates that they had in their retirement homes. So absolute totally. mess. So anyway, they have a statewide election, right? This is the state. This is the state that everybody says, well, Republicans got lucky in 2016. It's a blue state. Nobody cares about Republican points of view. Like they rejected Trump in 2020. You know, that Senate seat's open in 2022. Like it's just a blue state. Don't worry about it, folks. Pay no attention. Ah, the people of Pennsylvania have a different point of view on this. They yep. voted on this question yesterday about Tom Wolf's handling of the pandemic and whether they could curb his emergency powers, essentially. And by a vote of, you know, roughly 54-46, um, yep, we're going to take your power away. We're going to give it back to a Republican legislature. It seems to me, it seems to me, there is one common theme that's emerging here, folks. Republicans came to play. It, it, yep, Republican voters. The conservative base is so enthusiastic, and I keep I keep harping on this. Every elected official, every candidate in this country, you need to listen to the voters. You need to listen to the grassroots. You don't need to listen to what reporters want you to talk about. You don't need to take the bait. It, the story is not what the journo's asking you. The story is what the voters and the base are telling you. And to that point. There was a piece that came out today in the National Journal where Democratic pollsters actually opened the kimono on what they are telling House Democrats about their political standing. You will not be surprised to find out it runs a little contrary to what you read in the mainstream media. Yeah, 
<laughs> you know, this, this is another opportunity for our listeners to kind of get a peek behind the curtain here. Whenever you have a partisan pollster putting out numbers that are bad for their party, it's a fire alarm. Yeah. They're trying to send a message yeah. to people on Capitol Hill. Hey, this is a problem. Y'all got issues, and I can't go through the, the traditional means because the people in power aren't listening to me. Yep. Right? So in this case, Democratic pollster Stan Greenberg, who has been, you know, sort of the, the cornerstone Democratic pollster for a long period of time in Democratic politics, somebody that all the Democrats listen to, put out a survey that showed that the generic ballot, amongst other things, the generic ballot is tied, Right tied. This was a this was a number that was anywhere from seven to 10 plus Democratic advantage last November, when House Republicans picked up seats. Right. So it's headed in the wrong direction. More importantly, in a bunch of these swing districts, you've got Republicans picking up a fair amount of intensity with conservatives highly, highly motivated. Yep, there goes that narrative. Remember, remember the media's been saying, "Oh, you know, the the conservative conservative base is discouraged. They're all angry. They're not. Show, they're showing up, folks. They're, they're showing, showing up. up." So now, when you reverse engineer this and understand how, why this is all just one big campaign, we're talking about Liz Cheney. We're talking about January sixth investigations. We're talking all about those things in the mainstream media, so you don't focus on the very true reality that is. The American people are very nervous about the Biden agenda and conservatives are uniting in a way that they haven't in a long time, a long time. And, and people are ready. It's, it's, it is May of the off year. Mm -hmm. And you already have a consolidated conservative conservative movement that is ready and actually delivering results in all of these special elections. And, and the homes, I mean, so I don't know what episode it was. It was a couple of weeks ago, but you mentioned it. And I think it's so incredibly true. It's like, you know, coming out of 2008, uh, after Obama uh, had his election, we were in a terrible spot. Yep. You know, the conservative movement. And just by the numbers, in a real horrible spot in the Senate and the House. And yeah. we're in a much better spot now. Yep. And we are consolidating a lot sooner than we did then. Mm-hmm. And we're talking Liz Cheney. We're talking January 6th. That's what the media wants. That's why you saw McCarthy come out yesterday and say no partisan commission. That's why you heard McConnell come out yesterday and say no partisan January 6th commission. There, it's not that there isn't an investigation going on. There's dozens of investigations going on. What the interest of the Democrats and the partisan media, corporate media, is here is perpetuating news hooks to continue to talk about that to distract you from the fact that they're trying to implement marxist policies in every school district in america yep that's it but you know who's not listening voters they're much smarter than than democrats i mean that is the fundamental difference between republicans and democrats at some level the fundamental difference is republicans actually trust people to make decisions for themselves they they understand the yep. different families need different things. They, they want people to express their own individuality and, and create their own future. Democrats, they want a top-down socialist dictation mm -hmm. by a state. 
by a government to tell you when you can go to school, when you can work, how much money we're going to send you, whether you can keep the things that you've earned or not, whether you can go outside without a mask. All of those things are what they have in mind, and you're seeing it play out in Technicolor, and the American people, if you listen closely, are telling you what they think about that. And here's here's something. So, like, I've harped on this a bunch about how many of these Dem governors had this just absolute overreach during the pandemic. Like, you know, without any any legislature, without any votes, they were making all these decisions about, okay, uh, when, how long are we going to take ballots for? Uh, you know, what what are hospitals going to be required to do? You know, one of these great examples is exactly what happened with this governor, Tom Wolf. Where you look at, like I mentioned it earlier, you look at the numbers that happened in that state. Uh, uh, so originally, what the media was telling you is like uh, they accused Republicans are like since since Pennsylvania. This is a quote from the AP: Since Pennsylvania's first coronavirus spike in cases last spring, Republicans have accused Wolf's administration of fueling the outbreak in nursing homes by ordering the facilities to readmit residents who had been treated for the virus in hospital. Yeah. Uh, Republicans. Yeah. Republicans pounce. The story here is Republicans pounce. Not that like not killing uh, people, not Not that the governor is is sending people with coronavirus into senior centers where that population is the most susceptible. It's just so incredible. It's so incredible. It's like what Donald Trump says, you know, these people are so dishonest. (laughs) Yeah. Pounce yeah. sees, pounce sees. And then here's to get into the weeds with the, with the exact number. So Pennsylvania is the most populous of about a dozen states where, uh, you know, the coronavirus, the majority of coronavirus related deaths, uh, uh, you know, happen in these long-term care facilities. Um, Pennsylvania's nursing home death rate is 0.13 per 100 residents. That's 33% higher than the national average. But <laughs> but but what does the media tell you? They, they they, they tell you uh, DeSantis. Oh, DeSantis is murdering everybody. It's a death DeSantis. He's killing everybody. This is, you don't hear about how Wolf has, you know, there are more nursing home resident deaths per hundred people in, in Pennsylvania under Wolf than there were in New York under Cuomo. That's how bad, that's how bad he did. And also their target selection says something, you know, that they're all about DeSantis now for obvious reasons, because mm-hmm. Republicans think highly of DeSantis and he's sort of moved up the ladder in terms of, you know, presidential buzz and all these things. But remember last spring when Kemp was sort of in that conversation before the dispute with President Trump and everything else, Kemp was the target too. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the, the media acts completely in the interest of the Democrat party. Uh, they saw, you know, before the pandemic, you had, you had DeSantis with uh, his approval rating was sky high. Even among Dem voters, they're like, well, I mean, he's doing a great job. What else What else can you say? And he ended up doing a wonderful job during the pandemic. Dem see this and they're like, oh, my God. All right, we, 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 we got to go crazy. We, we have to have the people blame DeSantis, who did a good job, instead of – and we got to cover up, uh, you know, Cuomo. We got to cover up what Wolf did in Pennsylvania. Yeah, but, but I, I guess, yeah, my, my point about the targeting is – so Kemp wasn't a clear and pl- present danger – had the same results as DeSantis, they, they, but they decided to do 60 minutes on DeSantis, right? Yep. I put Abbott in the same category in Texas, right. right? He's like not a clear and present threat to Joe Biden as they see it right now at this day and age. Mm-hmm. So they don't focus on that. They, they focus on DeSantis. Right. In, any, in, any, in any normal media environment, 
you would have that quote from Joe Biden saying it's Neanderthal thinking to reopen Texas. And the story would have been about Texas. Did it succeed? Did it fail? Straight exactly. news story. Straight news story, right? Straight and news that, story. And, and, and that would be the dichotomy. It's like, here's what the Democrats say. Here's what the Republicans tried. What were the results? But of course, and to your point, Holmes, it wasn't a threat what was happening in Texas. It's a threat in Florida because yep. DeSantis might run for president. Yep. That, that's and, right. And I want to I I put this data out, these facts as of today, because, you know, hey, maybe we got some journalists listening. Maybe we got some, some operatives listening. Uh, maybe we got someone who wants oppo on, on a candidate running for governor in Pennsylvania. Or California. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so for in, in Pennsylvania, under Wolf, as of today, they had total cases, 80,835 of coronavirus. Uh, uh, total this, deaths, is the, this is the long-term care facilities, right? Only, only long-term care facilities, correct, yeah. They, they had 80,835 cases in long-term care in the senior centers, right? They had 12,565 deaths in those senior centers. They had over 1,500 facilities affected. The percent of, of the state deaths from these long-term senior care facilities, 51.6. It's, I mean, it, it blows your mind. It, it is a national scandal that this isn't a discussion everywhere. The people of Pennsylvania have suffered an incredible loss at the hands of these mad people. Yep. And nobody's paid any attention at all. Instead, we're talking about Rand, Ron DeSantis, who managed to get his economy up and running while keeping everybody safe at the same time. I mean, it's just... Guys, this is this is as bad as you think it is. Yeah, and the fact that we have to go and, and hunt down this data because there's no news stories. If there's any real journalists left in this country, they'd be covering this because that is just unbelievable. So, so that's 51 percent of cases in Pennsylvania were in these long-term care facilities. That's insane. Fi- you know, 15 and a half percent of people who got the virus in these long-term care facilities in Pennsylvania died. That's insane. That's an insane. In- How many people from Pennsylvania have you seen on the news who lost a loved one? I haven't seen any. They won't no. talk to them. They won't talk to them. They won't talk to them. I haven't lost. I haven't seen anyone. And it's just, I mean, unbelievable. Well, look, we're going to keep an eye on all of that. Uh, but we have some candy for you. Yes, we do. We, we at long last, a three episode is, is it allowed us to sort of explore new topics, which is nice. But we're still going to give you King of the Hill. Yes. We're still going to give you King of the Hill. And I've been on a two-week losing streak. I'm not happy about it. Um, I'm up against a serious competitor with Radio Free Tom. So I got to go to the top notch. I looked through Ruben. I liked some things that I saw. I ended up going with the man, Matt Dowd. And the reason I went with Matt Dowd is because I think he's got at least one take this week. That's the best take I've ever heard in the <laughs> history of King of the Hill. Let's go. What should we go ringside with it? What do you want to do? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Once again, it's time for King of the Hill. In fighting out of his own Twitter account. 
standing five feet nine inches tall and returned for a chance to reclaim his crown from Matthew Mail Pattern down. And in the red corner of hiding out of the Harvard Extension campus, standing five feet eleven inches tall, and reigning champion of the world, Radio Free Tom Nichols. Okay. Yes. Okay. I, I, I got to say, I got to say, I mean, in, in everything we do in Ruthless, and I love everything we do, and there's a lot of news, a lot of stuff to cover. This is just my favorite. It's such a treat. It it's, is. It is. And the people love it. And and can you blame them? It's just, it's it's the most exciting game out there. It's and, so, and, and selfishly, like for me, it's great because I literally have no idea what you're about to say. Yeah, yeah. I envy you. It must be so fun to just, and for our listeners, I envy you all so much because it it's so fun hunting down this like brain warm nonsense. Dude, so typically, typically like the day before, I'll look through and, you know, select whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've got to break out of this slump. So I've made it a week long effort to really canvas. And I was thinking about bringing somebody new in. But I, again, I found this one that I'm like, well, if I, it's, it's like having a, a number one pitcher in the World Series. Like if you have one absolute win, the chances of you getting to four are pretty high. I've got it. I've got I feel I feel really good about this. Well, so, so I mean, I mean, the question is, do you play that round one? I guess we'll find out. We'll see. Uh, I think it's you. It's you first. I'm sorry. It's smug first in round one and round three. Okay. (laughs) Gosh, I found some really weird stuff. Really weird stuff from Tom Nichols this week. Um, You know, here's what I'm going to go with first. Tom Nichols on May 18th. Well, work at home for me means dressing if I'm as if I'm on a casual day because it helps me focus. I know no one does that, but unless it's shorts and polos in the summer, I wear a shirt with a collar and pants and shoes working at home year-round. And this is something I've never understood. Going barefoot hurts. And that's why I never did it unless I was like at the beach or something. What? This is the weirdest shit ever. <laughs> I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you points for misuse of Twitter for sure. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> folks my feet hurt when i walk on them like everyone can accuse tom nichols of being soft on twitter now because i mean if if you didn't think he was soft before this settles that my it makes my feet hurt barefoot just hurts <laughs> okay i think i know i'm gonna save i'm gonna save the dart hmm. i'm gonna save the dart Wow. Go with something I think is I think is upper echelon. That's confidence. That's confidence. Yeah. Yeah. The average number of normal flu deaths a year is 36,000. This past year, there's been less than a thousand flu deaths. Masking, cleanliness, etc., done for COVID has helped the flu. So why wouldn't we continue to mask in regular flu seasons? Seems like a simple thing that saves many lives. 
So what, so what this asshole is advocating is that after we've beaten COVID, that we should continue to mask. I'm not even kidding. Continue to mask without fear of COVID, just the same fear of influenza that's been around since the beginning of mankind. We should change our behavior and mask uh, accordingly because of the flu, because uh, I guess there's been an approval in uh, mortality rate of flu cases. Yeah, this guy, I mean, Tom Nichols essentially needs mask for his feet because they're so <laughs> gentle. Year round, always wear shoes. It's like, uh, who's that guy from? um, Oh my God, Arrested Development, the Never Nude. That's like Tom Nichols, the Never (laughs) Shoes, where he just never takes never takes the shoes off. He wears the little jean shorts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What I'm appealing to here is the fundamental facet behind King of the Hill, which is these are people who have considered themselves conservatives that have worked on behalf of Republican politics in the past that has led them to a take like this. That is such a fucking leap. Can you imagine advocate, any conservative you know, can you imagine them advocating for permanent mask use? Well, so what what I like about this what I like about it is um, the confidence with which he 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 tweets that, you know, as if these are two, you know, isolated, you know, COVID and, and the flu are two isolated metrics in a vacuum that that happen. And, you know, obviously, if we just wore masks forever, we could stop the flu. And that would be I mean, you think we've seen less car crashes when we've been working from home? Like how, how much yeah. rest of the American economy and our way of life and our society should we reorient because some stats went down? I mean, are you fucking stupid. Fewer cases of food poisoning shut down the restaurant. I mean, I'll tell you what, folks, you're not going to stub your toes if you wear shoes always. The guy <laughs> is, in, he's in his pajamas, gets into bed with his, with his shoes on. But, but like, look. Thing, that blanket's gonna smug, hurt radio free smugs, smug's tweet that he's brought to this the the thing i love about it is it comes from a place where he thinks he's bragging like he yeah. he's like you know i i put it's on like, my I'm pants i put expert. on a shirt I'm such an expert i i, I everywhere shoes in the house even when i'm working from home but like in it reveals himself in a way that is just like so incredibly hilarious. <laughs> so fucking weird. So weird. That you would that you would choose to not just have that thought, but but believe it had to be delivered to the public on a social media platform is such an incredible level of confidence <laughs> that I could never achieve in my life. <laughs> it's absolute madness. He's like, this is expertise in action, folks. They're both so good. They're both so good. They're both so good. Perennial mask use. I get it, Holmes. 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 I get it. But what I'm saying. Perpetuity. I get it. I get it. But it's not as unique. Oh. This is this is a familiar take that we're seeing emerge. All of Mm -hmm. these people who are Russiagate experts for three years are now epidemiologists who are going to tell us what we have to do with masking and whatever. What Smug has provided is just 
top tier. Yeah, I got to give it to him. Round one to Smug. Let's go. I I think the minions have have rightfully expressed some concern about uh, some bias. Like, wow it's uh look he's now he's right going the after the jury. judge and jury we, we we are we are still in deliberations you're coming at the jury this is a, that, that is a mistrial right there sir unbelievable i, I cannot believe i'm gonna hold you in contempt <laughs> i'm holding you in contempt of court i can't like, believe that not wearing shoes you be perennial mask use you, you saw are in it, contempt of court absolutely absolutely <laughs> i'm getting a, this is a hanging jury this is unbelievable. Okay. Round two, you have to go first. You better bring the dart. All right. So I'm gonna just put this this round away because I've gotta I've gotta use it. Um, and I, to me, this isn't even clear. Matt Dowd. Uh, I don't remember Republicans four months after 9/11 saying, "Can't we just move on from this?" <laughs> God. Jesus Christ. The direct, the direct analog of 1-6 and 9-11. Thousands of people killed in a terrorist attack. Wow. I mean, I mean, shit. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't, I saw it. it had, throw it, it was, smug. Throw it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm throwing it. I'm letting him take this one. Too. Here's, here's a, here's a Nichols one. Uh, and this is in honor of, of, of what Holmes just threw out. Uh, in round one. This is Nichols on May 13th. I may do this too, wearing a mask during cold and flu season. And I will likely wear a mask in coach for the rest of my aging life to prevent colds and flu, but not because of COVID. See, see, look, look, Holmes, the judge and the jury is vindicated. This is a take a dime a dozen on that side. No, 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 no. Dime a dozen. That one, that one, I believe is a incredible take because he's infused he's upped down in two ways he's talked about coach yeah <laughs> and the di- distinction between coach that is incredible content. here's the thing uh, it's it's great because like so many times his his tweets are just dripping with utter disdain for the common man that he's like in coach, if I'm in coach, you better believe I'm putting a mask on around these people. The in distinction coach. is the key. It's not whether he wears the mask or not. It's the it's well. Yeah, he didn't say when I'm flying. He said if I'm in coach. <laughs> if I'm with am I, if I'm with these well, peasants, we're here, we're here with the peasants, folks. <laughs> oh Gotta put God. a mask on. I feel like if that was a head-to-head round oneer, I would have been con- I would have been content to take an L on that. That that's a that's a great tweet. It's too bad it had to go up against. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it threw against us. It can't. It it just can't compete with what Holmes brought to the yeah. table there. Yep, that's a, that, uh, that, that's a brain room take. Yep. All right, well, Smug. One to one. What do you got for the closer? Okay, so this is yet again we were speaking about uh, Tom Nichols' disdain for the common man. Uh, so, folks, Ohio announced, as, as most of us have heard, a lottery. For people who get the COVID shot, you know, you get the shot, you're entered in the in the drawing, you'll win like a million dollars. Tom Nichols, May 18th. I'm looking down on it and accepting it as necessary, but I think you can do both to say that if it works, we have to do it. But what a pathetic nation we've become that we have to induce morons to save their own lives and ours with lottery tickets and French fries. <laughs> 
He added the French fries. Right? Yeah. He, I mean, he's too good for French fries. Well, there, name me a better side dish. The, Fred, right? the French fries is a nice addition. Yeah. Too the good French for fries. French fries. What an, I, I mean, what an incredible piece of shit he is. <laughs> he is. He really is. And, and, and whenever I'm going through his tweets to hunt down the ones for King of the Hill, I'm just like, man, what an asshole. Like, it, 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 hanging out in person with, with Tom Nichols must be the absolute, absolute worst. I just don't. Pets, I bet they try to run away all the time. You know, I, I, I just will never understand people like him who make a career at a punt at, you know, at punching down on, you know, regular people. Yeah. Like, what oh, a you, fucking loser you you're are. Like, oh, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a mask if I'm around you folks and coach and, oh, good God, no French fries for me. Well, and the beautiful thing is a guy like that couldn't hold a wet paper bag in an actual intellectual conversation. Yeah, right. Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. Right. It's all faux. It's like Steve Schmidt. It's all just make it. Let's make up a whole bunch of multisyllable words where we can try to trick people into thinking we're actually an intellectual when we're actually complete rube. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> That's Nichols right. in a nutshell. That's it. Nailed That's it. it. Actually, it's a pretty good formulation for that entire crowd, to be honest. Yeah. It's catnips for, for, for the morons. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is the other side of this. It's either the faux intellectualism, but where that blends with me that makes a real knockout punch is the West Wing Sorkinism theater of it all, that you believe in the theater of government. And that's basically why, in addition to the put-away shot that I just read, I selected down this week, because this one, to me, encapsulates everything that is the never Trump conservative. Matt Dow. This is such a crucial moment in our history. Looking back when we are either in years of darkness or those of light, we will know whether people of good conscience stood up to hate lies and undemocratic plans with the power of love, truth, and justice. We must choose today. Come and, and, and in the context, it's tweeted the day of the Liz Cheney vote. Yeah. I really, I got to say, I really appreciate Holmes, your little preamble, the there dramatic for your, reading. I'll give yeah, for, your, for your closing statement. And then, and then coming in with the dramatic reading was, it was good. Well, I tried to give it the Sorkin, you know, emphasis. Yeah. I felt like you'd, you'd see play out in one of those nonsense Hollywood scripts. Yeah, no, I love the juxtaposition, you know, mm -hmm. that he works there in, you know, hate and love and whatnot. In light and in Light dark. and darkness. If you ever write, if you're a speechwriter, and there's a ton of them that listen to this podcast on, on Capitol Hill, if you ever write the words light and darkness, good, evil, and do like that dumb, trite, stupid bullshit, tear up the copy and start over, it's like the number one way to appear on Ruthless. Yeah. Like I, I will, I'm going to start like surfing and I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, I'm going to start looking at the house floor and Senate floor. When I see that it's going on the show. Yeah. I love that threat. That's great. All right. Smug. Give me a reread or a closing closing. Oh yeah, argument. I mean, I gotta, I, I, I gotta give a reread. Because I feel, I feel like Holmes got the opportunity to really ed editorialize a little bit more, and I want to give you the opportunity as well. Sure. I mean, I'm just gonna do the reread. In regards to Ohio having a lottery for the shots, 
I'm looking down on it and accepting it as necessary. But I think you can do both to say that if it works, we have to do it. But what a pathetic nation we've become that we have to induce morons to save their own lives and ours with lottery tickets and French fries. <laughs> that was a good read. It was a good read. The French fries is good. I'll yeah. give him that. I'll give him that. <clears throat> Just to imagine being mad about French fries, dude. That's like the happiest of food. Oh, we got fries on the side? This officially rules. Let's go. Gosh, this is a tough one. For, this is a real tough one for judge and jury. Um, Just think of West Wing. Well, look, I mean, I obviously hate the West Wing, and I hate everybody who likes the West Wing. I think it's a terrible show that has brainwashed an entire generation of operatives and media personalities to think that government is created by, you know, getting everyone in the room and the president gives a speech and that solves all the problems. And of course, that's complete horseshit. And the people that talk the way that Matthew Dow just talked don't know anything. Don't know anything. There's literally no, no, no actual knowledge. It's nothing. It's just pablum for RTs. Good, evil, lightness and a dark. And this is getting me worked up. And that's the reason why Holmes wins. Dowd's yes! Boom. I'll, I'll, I mean, hey, Dowd had fire. Dowd had fire. We know he, we know he's a player. I don't feel bad. Dowd came to play. Dowd's a player. Uh, I, I do appreciate, however, how clearly we established how truly terrible a person Tom Nichols is during this, like, brief reign of his. Uh, I mean... He's an absolute asshole. There's like no other way. Just the worst. I feel like I feel like Smug's Smug's tweet selection was was curated to a point where we really got the full flavor. Yeah, I, you know what? I kind of felt like this may be coming to an end. I'd heard I'd heard Dowd had some fire takes, and I wanted folks to leave. You know, you know his last stand, his last save. Remember, Tom Nichols is the guy who wears a mask and coach and is too good for a prize. That's like, <laughs> he really did. He left it all out on the field. Ultimate assholes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I listen, I got some minion. I got some minion help. I got some minion help throughout the week. People were flagging different things. I think they felt like I got a raw deal. What they wanted was, was me to field a good champion. I, shout out to Dr. Senior Legal Analyst E. Garble Garble for <laughs> yes for flagging angle. early the put-away shot. Because you know, once I saw that, I was like, man, I don't know what else he's got, but it that's one in the bank for sure. I swear, we have the best listeners in ever. the planet ever, ever. No one could ask for such wonderful people that they like hunt down these, these crazy takes. God bless them. <laughs> I love it. Well, we'd love to introduce to you a new interview. Oh, oh, wait. We, we had an interview scheduled, right? It should yeah. be playing right now. Oh, whoa, I forgot. That's right. Instead, Michael Duncan's going to sing to us. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I promise you I will sing next week. I just wasn't prepared. So remember, uh, folks, okay. if, if, if you're trying to be an actual candidate, uh, you follow through on what you promise. Uh, this is like student council at, at student council. You know that, uh, let alone attempted governor run. 
we had a governor on the other day. He showed up on time. You can do it. Um, <laughs> it, it turns out if you can get like a former secretary of state to get there on the minute and you yeah. got like senators and congressmen who have no problem. Yeah. Presidential candidates everywhere. When you're like a third tier sort of like also ran. Yeah. Set your alarm. Yep. That's all it takes, folks. So <laughs> great episode either way. Thank you all so much for listening. Tell your friends. Uh, so until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. And I would do anything for love. I'd run right into hell and back. I would do anything for love. I'll never lie to you and that's a fact. And I'll never forget the way you feel right now. No, no way. And I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. No, I won't do that. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.